Hello everyone and welcome back to the Barely Bookish Podcast. I am once again joined by Candace and we're talking about episode two of the Kindred TV show. Hello. Hello. Lots of thoughts, lots of opinions, lots of emotions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we start off this episode. Dana is back in quote unquote present day which i'm still irritated that yep. this was recorded in 2021 yep and it's 2016 mm. for no reason i i was confused when i saw her iphone like they zoom into that home button on the iphone way yep. too often yep. where did you find that yep somebody in the production crew was like i never updated my phone i still have a 4s yeah <laughs> I googled to make sure that in 2016 we still all had buttons and Google said we did. We did. We did have buttons still. That's yeah. correct. So I was like, at what point did we do away with the button? You know? Listen, because if you ever want to do a classic, I know mm-hmm. you I know you deal in classics. And The Midnight Club is not a classic uh cuz it was a YA book from the 90s by christopher pike and i don't know that that counts as anyone's classic but (laughs) i have a lot of feelings about the use of anachronistic props in the television Mm -hmm. version of the midnight Mm -hmm. club um i know you like ya and i know that you like uh doing podcasts around such things Mm -hmm. i don't know that it's juicy or like it's a it's pulpy it's like it's like teen teeny bopper horror soapy drama vampire diaries kind of nonsense right um but (laughs) if you're ever interested i'd be willing to come and talk to you about bad 90s ya when we have our podcast about uh weirdly sexy books uh that'll be right on the list that's it that's it and then we do then we do a recap episode when we watch the show and we talk about how it's not the book (laughs) like this one yeah yeah should our podcast just be like what the fuck did we just read mm. mm-hmm. 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 that could be good trademark it right now yeah don't <laughs> steal it everyone don't steal it yeah don't steal it <laughs> we're inviting you into our friendship circle mm-hmm. you cannot steal our names okay it's, a circle if it's already of a, yeah if it's already a podcast name that did just come off the rift so i did not know it sorry yeah, i no offense. now um <laughs> we're gonna use it better anyway so yeah Let's sorry <laughs> there's a podcast i'll never be allowed on <laughs> um so yeah we got dana back in the present for literally 30 seconds mm-hmm. you know she's like my mom died driving the car but didn't die she went in the past so my dad died and then three seconds later kevin's like girl maybe it's the house we should go (laughs) and i'm like in what universe does the white man say the house is haunted we should go no 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 that's not what happens homie that's not real and i get it you're trying to break molds right trying to trying to shake things up that's not how you do it okay why are we leveling up this white man i don't understand why does he need to be leveled up yeah he's supposed to be terrible 
straight white man. Why does he need any assistance from anyone? Let alone this rich girl. (laughs) He's like, will you be my sugar mama princess? Like, get the fuck out of here. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. Because, like, he's like, you don't have a car? Like, first of all, you guys live in L.A. How many people have cars in L.A.? I don't. (laughs) Like, he, he tells her that he that he should have moved to Brooklyn like all of his other friends and i'm like so why are you surprised she doesn't have a car and doesn't drive like i don't what <laughs> Whatever. also why is there no traffic and always street parking available the entire time i don't know i don't know cuz they're living in a dream world true are i still green girl like yeah I don't it's know. killing me it's killing me it's murdering <laughs> me in my art <laughs> Uh, like it feels like a low budget movie. It you does. Know what I mean, it does, but it doesn't look like a low budget movie. That's what's fucking with me. Like they clearly spent money, so I'm like, why would you spend your money on this? It's like people who spend their money on like fucking vintage trolls from 1987. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of all the things that you could drop fifteen hundred dollars on, why is it that? Yeah. <laughs> why is that what you're buying? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want something else? Like I'm looking at know. this show, like. You could have done literally anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and why it. even put Octavia Butler's name on it at this point? I know you have. I know they have to because like it's it's derived from her work. But I'm just like, if Octavia Butler were alive, she would be standing here with her arms crossed, like, Mm-mm. like she wouldn't be like, I love this so much. Thank you so much for ruining my book. Like, yeah. <laughs> she would have so many problems with it if she was if she were still alive. Have you ever like enjoyed any of the Percy Jackson stuff? Not the shows, but the mm-hmm. the books, yes. Okay. You remember Rick Riordan being like, <laughs> releasing a whole thing? He's like, yeah, they didn't let me have any sort of creative. Yes. And it control. shows. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that would have been Octavia Butler. Yeah. Octavia Butler would be like, I don't know what that is. It's a, it's a show that shares a name with a book that I wrote in the 70s. <laughs> That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> I don't know otherwise what it is, but. It does have the same name as both a vampire TV show from the 90s and a book that I once wrote. Um, that's it. Yep. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. So now we get Dana bringing Kevin back with her, which this feels so rushed. Like everything feels very rushed. So, so rushed. And like he goes back in time with her this is after the princess moment. I think he goes back in time with her, like having like grabbed onto her body to like, keep her from walking away from him, which also does not bode. Well, this man has known her for two days and he's going to physically grab her. So she can't leave. Nah, no, thank you. Even if he's nice. No, yeah. I no. don't even see this dude as nice. He's creepy. He's, he's like bland. I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, she gets to the time period and she's like, this is it. This is the experience. You're here now. And, like, she sees that, like, Rufus's leg is all fucked up, right? And she runs to him. And he's like, we need to get out of here. She's like, no, we need to help this boy. I'm like, when did you become so nice? You haven't yeah. been nice this whole time. Literally. <laughs> How are you? I don't understand. So then, like, she makes a splint out of his leg. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how does she know how to do this? She says it's television. Which I'm like. No. 
granted, I've watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. So if mm-hmm. I were in a bad situation, right, I know how to use a hammer and a nail to crack somebody's skull open to relieve the bleeding like Izzy does in that one episode where there's like a horrible car pile up or whatever. I understand mm-hmm. how to how to basically do a splint. Um, I probably could even like slice somebody's like throat and do like a little straw in there in their trachea if they can't breathe. Right. Like there's certain things that I might know how to do in the moment, perhaps because of television. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't feel confident about it. The reason that Dana no. is so confident in the book is because she did. She like edited all of those like different books that taught her all of these things. Right. She soaked mm-hmm. up that knowledge from reading it. And that means that she has a thorough understanding of how to do all of these things. She has a thorough yeah. understanding of what diseases or viruses are happening. She says, hey, you need to wash your hands to the doctor because she knows she's read it. She understands it. Not because like a fictional television show taught her how to do that. Like, I'm just like, I get you're trying to update it. But if anything, she could have said the internet. That would have been yeah. a better answer for me, right? Wikipedia, right? Like that would have been a better answer than- The other thing too is- yeah, she doesn't seem to have any writing experience. You know, she's breaking and in, trying to break into television. What you could have done is made her history as a writer. As a writer, if you're yep. writing fictional works, you have to yep. research a lot of stuff to yep. even make it seem mildly possible. She you could have said, I wrote a television pilot for a, a doctor show. Fine. Literally. <laughs> Sold. Good. Fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Done. But like, the fact that she's like, oh, ha ha. <laughs> yeah she doesn't even name a tv show she said something Maddening. about watch like watching days of our lives like that's the tv show that she name dropped so she name dropped general hospital and i was like so you're telling me that in the uh late 80s early 90s you were watching general hospital with your grandma and uh that's how you learn how to splint a leg get out of here get out of here and like i feel like they're making her this like weird mary sue like she's both clueless and knows everything she's both mean and really maternal and loving she's both like smart and absolutely just dangerously dumb like i don't understand (laughs) i I don't don't understand either and then like you see jason stackhouse again right you see uh tom whalen Mm-hmm. and he's still hot for some reason yeah I'm and then so like that he's so hot have you seen glow Mm-mm. okay so i really need he, to get on it it's <laughs> really good they canceled it unceremoniously there's a big right. plot point that's revealed in season three that's amazing and like really would have touched my heart if they had explored it uh with bash mm-hmm. but like they don't netflix bailed and cancel the show, which like I really wish they'd bring it back because it was fantastic. If you do watch it, you'll have a great time. Just know mm-hmm. that it ends without like a real ending. Um, I bring it up because the lady who plays Margaret Whalen, if anybody that's listening is a fan of Glow, uh, Sheila the Wolf Woman, who's one of the characters on Glow, that's who plays Margaret Whalen. Mm-hmm. And like she looks okay. She doesn't look bad. She's pretty. But like Margaret Whalen is supposed to be like nothing but beautiful, right? She's supposed to be mm-hmm. drop dead gorgeous. And like mm-hmm. this lady is really plain. Like her hair looks really kind of like, like she looks uptight, which I yeah. think Margaret Whalen is kind of supposed to look uptight because she is. But Margaret yeah. Whalen is a woman for whom all she has is her beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's all she's got. She can't read. She's not educated at all. She's rude. Like all she has is her looks. Her son and being mean to slaves. Like, that's literally all she is as a person because that's all she could be back then, right? Like, she doesn't have a lot of, like, 
layers to her. Yeah. Right. Because she couldn't have layers. So it's really weird to like happen upon this family in such a strange way. Down to their house. They walk up, you know, um, uh, Dana sends Kevin ahead with Nigel, who we finally meet, yeah. to go get Luke. Nigel does not act like Luke's son at all, which is strange. No. Yeah. Um, there's like no relation between them. Luke looks fucking fucking kevin looks him up and down before lowering his eyes like he steps up to this literally strange white person looks him up and down and then lowers his eyes and is like how can i help you i'm gonna need to take you in like i don't know you like that like stands up to him and i'm like considering how the doctor talks in like a couple of scenes from now you would think that he wouldn't speak that way even if even not knowing this new white person right like even not knowing him yeah especially because he has this entire conversation with nigel yeah. prior to saying anything to kevin yes if we know anything about the time period that is not possible not allowed not yeah. allowed and then like they pull up to the house and it's like an estate mm-hmm. the house is like a big house mm-hmm. right it's not like some shitty little farmhouse right like in the book yeah like Butler goes out of her way to describe the house in a way that shows that like these people are like not even medium rich, right? Like it's not like a shack or anything by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination. It's a brick house, but it's like a narrow kind of like almost ramshackly house. Like it's got a library and it's got all the finery that you would expect inside because Margaret Whalen requires those things. And you know, his wife, his ex, his previous wife who died, like she was, you know, came from money and stuff. So like, mm-hmm. It's it's definitely like an an okay house, but it's not like a big like a state like that. Like you yeah. come up on that shit, and there's like it's huge, mm-hmm. like it's gigantic. Even like in the book when I read about like the cookhouse, I saw that as like a thatched roof situation. Yeah, I didn't see that as like a brick building with concrete yeah. inside that like is an enclosure. Like I saw it as like picnic tables. And a, and a floor. roof that's open. Yeah, dirt floor that's open on all sides, right? That's mm-hmm. attached to the house. Yeah. Um, because I, I thought there were moments where, like, they could feel people watching them. And no one's watching them through those concrete walls. There's no windows no. in there, right? And there's chairs. Yes, I chair- there to be chairs. <laughs> yeah. Like, like fine dining with cutlery you know i don't i don't understand like they've got nice looking bowls they're getting their mush put into like yeah so like i was just i feel like doing that right like making this house and probably part of it is that house probably exists in reality and they were able mm-hmm. to go on site and film there right like i imagine yeah. that probably that's a house that exists i get it but like not having that 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 like a, a a house that matches the way that butler describes it in the book for me again mm-hmm. it's poisoning the well because yeah. the point that she's trying to make in the book with the smallness of that house is to say that even poorer white people still mm-hmm. had slaves right it's yeah. important to recognize how widespread this problem was right poor white people still had slaves so they weren't even really poor right they mm-hmm. were they still had someone else to do much of their work for them, even if it was only three yeah. or four slaves, right? Two or three slaves. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of these white men saw a way to make new slaves by having sex, force, forcibly having sex with their slaves, raping their slaves, and then producing more slaves for their plantation. There were plenty of white men out there doing that, plenty of them. Thomas Jefferson was one of them, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, we need to stop pretending that that's not how it went. And like, for me also, it's important to discuss the profiting off of black labor 
that happened back then, because it still kind of happens today, right? When you look at the dichotomy of racism in America in the 21st century, right? You have a system that's in place right now where white leaders are trying to, conservative white leaders are trying to convince people that racism right, isn't really a problem. And if it is, it's a problem in that wokeness is an issue, right? They're trying to keep people from noticing what's happening around them. And they're doing that by weaponizing white privilege, right? They're like, oh, everyone says white privilege. You don't have privilege. You get taxed just like anybody else. You pay your taxes. You have kids. You have hardships. You have struggles just like anyone else. How dare they say that it's white privilege? What privilege are you seeing? Meanwhile, they're like raking tons of tax money and fucking tax breaks, right, into their coffers while saying this to middle class and poor white people that get riled up, right? All of that kind of goes back to this time during slavery, right? That's part of the same system because mm -hmm. less fortunate white people had someone to look down on. So they felt richer than they were, mm -hmm. right? Like they felt like they were wealthy because somebody else was tending their fields. They didn't have to do all that planting. They didn't have to do all that work. They didn't have to like break their backs, even though they were poor and they were kind of subverted socially. Wealthy white people are still kind of using that narrative, but instead of black people working for white people, right, and that being how these people kind of get the leg up, instead you've got wealthy people at the top that have a pay scale, gap, like a pay gap, right, whether it's gender pay gap or racial pay gap, right, you have white people that are being rewarded for being white in the workplace, which is mm -hmm. basically what they were back then, right? They were re farmers were rewarded for being white by getting black people to to shit and step all over, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, it's the same thing. I'm working the same job as a white man. The white man is making, I think, sixty five cents on the dollar, right? Like I'm making mm -hmm. sixty five cents compared to the full dollar that he's making. Mm -hmm. Like his life is that much easier, yeah, for a paycheck. It's that much easier for him to have a family for him to, to be elevated and recognized, mm -hmm. for him to move up in the world. Meanwhile, I'm working longer hours because if I don't, they're going to call me lazy. Mm -hmm. I am putting up with more bullshit. People are questioning whether or not I can do my job just because of the color of my skin and because of whatever they think is between my legs because I'm femme presenting, right? Like they are operating the same way without the direct subversion of black people, right? Without it being like, you know your place, pointing in my face. They can't do that anymore. So the mm -hmm. way that people in their place now is by paying women and minorities less and paying white men more. So like, I feel like that narrative, if you're going to talk about reconciling the past and the present, that's mm -hmm. something you have to talk about because no, slavery isn't happening today in the same way it happened back then. Mm -hmm. But when somebody is making more money for the same job, just because they have a penis and they're white, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's an issue. And it reflects the lack of agency that people had back then, including Margaret Whalen. Part of the reason she's so fucking crazy is because she has no agency. She can't make any decisions on her own. What she has to say doesn't matter. She's discounted all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why she looks down. And when you look at the way that like things are happening, like I'll say more about this later. But like when you look at the way that like our society is starting to shift and turn, especially among older generations, like it's just like almost like a hearkening back to that you know what I mean like it's mm -hmm. it's I feel like that was a really 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 huge misstep even though it seems like something that's relatively small like people think that the people who had slaves like even white people when they're like oh my family's never been rich so we definitely didn't have slaves we couldn't have afforded it incorrect mm -hmm. incorrect like your family absolutely could afford it and they probably did right like yeah. that's something that we need to make peace with in this country so we can move on we don't need a shortcut. 
Yeah. I do wonder if that's why so many white people are like, oh, my family's from this place in Europe, you know? Yes. Like trying yeah i just am kind then of you realizing can sidestep that. the slavery you can be like yeah. well i was in ireland at that time yes but was your dad in ireland at that time because i believe you said he's your mom is irish but your dad's english mm-hmm. well yeah yeah he had slaves yeah <laughs> your daddy's I, I, family I, had slaves i'm so sorry i talked about I this that with a <laughs> when i did my podcast with uh about the Aeneid and the odyssey and um my friend is from uh jade is from ireland She's like, why do Americans, you know, talk so much about that? Like, if you're from Irish, if you're born in Ireland, you don't talk about your parents being English. You know, yeah. your culture is Irish. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's probably because, you know, as Americans, we don't like really have our own set culture. And I figured that was what it is. I am now realizing that is wrong. Yeah. That is not why. Yeah. <laughs> this is because we realize this. It's because you don't, it's hard to acknowledge the national shame. And even when you yeah. say, oh, English, right? Or you say like where your family came from in the past, mm-hmm. it's not as though you like those people keep those, those, those bits and pieces because to keep mm-hmm. those pieces when you come to America, yeah, even, even Ellis Island days, right? Even in like the early 19, 1900s, early 20th century, right? Immigrating here, I'd say even now, I've, I've talked to my friends that have, whose families have immigrated from India. Mm-hmm one of the first things people do when they get here is figure out how to survive, right? That's what you have to do. You have to figure out how you're going to survive. If you come here, you know that you have to work, you know, you have to assimilate because people are going to be shitty to you because that's how people are, right? People go, Americans go to other people's countries and they're like, why doesn't anyone speak English? Like assholes, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're coming to America, you already know there's going to be some hurdles, right? There's going to be some hoops to jump through. So if you find out that the popular people here are white, okay, well, what do the popular people do? Okay, well, they have uh, three and a half, you know, uh, children in their family, a, a dog, a white picket fence, they have a house. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get the house, get the white picket fence. Cool. We're doing everything great. And then one day, right after you're following all of these prompts, whether you're Indian, Irish, from Mexico, from Spain, from, you know, wherever you're from, right? If you are a non-Black immigrant, it doesn't take long before you realize that the Black family isn't quite welcome, mm-hmm. Right. It isn't long before you go to the grocery store and someone's screaming at a black woman because they think she cut them in line because they don't realize she's there with her white husband, right? Like you start seeing little things, little bits and pieces. Then you watch the news. Lots Mm -hmm. of crime. It's usually black people, even though that's Mm -hmm. not the reality, right? Lots Mm -hmm. of poverty. It's probably black people, even though that's not the reality. Lots of undereducated people, even though, again, not the reality. Lots of black people. I think most black people these days go to school. Most Mm -hmm. black people these days are middle to upper class right? Black women especially are extremely well-read. Like all of those things have been changing, but the way Mm -hmm. that the media and news and especially conservative news portrays it is like, we're all just leeching off the system. We're all just doing whatever we want, right? Down to Lizzo playing James Madison's flute expertly that's been sitting in the National Archives for God knows how fucking long. People are losing their minds that she's playing it. Meanwhile, it's been sitting there collecting dust. At least somebody played it. You're not going to tell me that James Madison wouldn't come up from his grave and be like, well, damn, I'm glad somebody played this thing I fucking left behind, sacrificed it, didn't get to enjoy it myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, get out of here with that. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's, it's, it's difficult because Americans don't have, white Americans don't have their own culture. What they do is they steal and borrow from, from everybody else. Yes. And like, that's something that's starting to be seen a lot and noticed a lot in the TTRPG community because Mm -hmm. TTRPGs were used to be largely a white male cis straight dominated kind of hobby right and now a lot of people who feel marginalized are attracted to the hobby for the same reason that those dorky marginalized nerds right who are marginalized 
by white jocks who were richer and fancier and handsomer than them, right? Mm -hmm. Like those people had those experiences and can't connect them to the experiences that we're all having, right? Of, hey, nobody wanted to play with me because I wasn't cis and white and straight and male, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody wanted to play with me because I didn't speak English as my first language, right? There's all these stories of people that are like, you know, I really wanted to play, but, and these white guys are like, no, well, we were never racist. There was never a race problem. There was never a gender problem. Women were always invited to the table. There's like this revisionist history of something that happened 35, 40 years ago. Like, how can there be revisionist history with something that literally just happened? There's a whole show about it. Stranger Things, right? A whole show mm -hmm. about it, right? Like, but there's like this alternate history because people don't want to own up to the role that they played or that their ancestors played in mm -hmm. upsetting the apple cart, in making someone else's life miserable. And because of that, they're like, people are stealing from us. They're stealing this hobby that we have. They seek ownership over something that is for everyone because they have nothing else, right? So like you're seeing a rise in people having like an all white table of Vampire the Masquerade set in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. It's all white people, mm -hmm. no Asian people, didn't ask any Asian people to participate or give any kind of feedback. Scary. Right? Whole tables of straight people playing thirsty sword lesbians. Like, and can you play those things? Yes, right? There's a game yeah. called Coyote and Crow. It's an all native game, right? You don't have to be native to play that game, but you mm -hmm. should be respectful. You should try to make it diverse. You should try to, you know, shake hands with other people that, you know, might know more about the experience than you do, right? Mm -hmm. You should try to do that. Like, I would never be like, let me celebrate Hanukkah with Nary, a Jewish friend right? Like, that's not for me. Yeah. It's not my religion. It's not my faith. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to make latkes the way I think I should make them. I'm not going to look up a recipe from an actual Jewish grandma. Like, what? Of course I would. Listen. Of course I would. Why am I going to decide how someone else's, you know what I mean? How someone else's stuff is going to go. Like, that's not for yeah. me to do. Yeah. So, like, there's this is what I'm like, saying. Like, yeah, it, there's a lot of stealing. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a lot of stealing. And, like, Instead of recognizing that they're stealing and instead being like honoring what they're taking, mm -hmm. right? Giving space to what they're taking, right? Mm -hmm. Like saying, you know what, man? Like it's really important that I, I put out there how, how, how valuable the contributions from these people have been. Without these people, right? America wouldn't have what it is. It wouldn't be what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of doing that, they instead just want to act like they co-opted it. I mean, the Kardashians are a perfect example. Those people get yeah. rewarded for stealing from people all the time, despite the fact that they're already rich. Yeah. Like why, like why, right? Why is that okay? So I totally agree with you. That is the reason that people are like, oh, I, I, my family is from, um, well, we were in France mm -hmm. and then we were in England and then we were in America, you know, I'm yeah. European. I'm like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> See, <laughs> I'm also realizing I only know my mom's side. Because I'm like, yeah, oh, like my grandfather's very into genealogy. I don't mm -hmm. know a single thing about my dad's side. And I'm like, that's suspicious. That's something I should probably uh, harass my grandmother about. Because I know she, I think she did it. And I've never heard nary a word. So uh -huh. I'm like, um, grandma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Grandma. Because <laughs> nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I should probably go ask because I've never, like, cared because I have so much genealogy from my mother's side because mm -hmm. my grandfather is like, I will track down every Kupek in any semblance of Kupek name. <laughs> He's, like, very into it, you know? Yes. Okay. So then we have this whole scene with um, the 
woman who's supposed to like dress Kevin. Mm-hmm. And uh, this woman has frostbitten toes and it's like they're wrapped up. And I don't know if this was supposed to be like the first time we're supposed to get like real hardships. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. this is supposed to be the selling scene that we have in Kindred to show how awful things are. Yeah, I guess. I just feel like they don't make, there's not a lot of fanfare. Like, yeah. you can see that she's hobbled because yeah. of her feet. She's kind of shuffling her way over to Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you're you're right. It's not, um, it's not as, as, as clear like it's, what's going on with this with this slave yeah. number one and number two like there's a big difference between being uh kind of mean to someone who's injured right someone who is who is disabled mm-hmm. um and being indifferent and tom yeah. feels more indifferent toward her rather Correct. than like do your fucking job you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's just it wasn't hyped enough i guess Another issue I'm having that, like, they have not addressed and to me, like, is a problem with setting it in modern time Mm -hmm. is that the actor who plays Kevin, I don't know if it's the actor or if it's the character that's supposed to have tattoos, but he has has tattoos all over himself. So he, like, takes his shirt off, right? And he takes his pants off. And you can see he has tattoos on his arms and his legs and his back, right? Like, and they're not, like, like, cute tattoos either, like... I mean, they're fine, but, like, one of them is, like, a giant, like, creepy-looking skull, and, like, there's, like, these two yeah. arms, like, bands around around one of the arms, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm looking at this, this man, and I'm, like, because Tom walks in as he's putting his shirt on, mm-hmm. and in my head, I'm, like, he's not going to ask why he has tattoos. Like, white people didn't have tattoos back then. Like, Native yeah. people and African people had tattoos. Like, minorities had tattoos. Um, and even if white people had them, it was more like sailors and stuff, right? Like people like pirates or, you know what I mean? People who like lived outside of society, like tattoos were not normalized whatsoever back then. So how there was no scene of them reacting to that, I don't understand. Like to me, that's, that's bananas, especially because in the book, the smallest of differences are noticed. Like Mm -hmm. people have an almost exacting point of view on Dana. Like they look at her and they're like, you're a man. Here are the reasons you're a man. We can see that your face might not be that of a man. You're pretty, I guess. But your hair is short. You have a button-down shirt and you're wearing pants. Therefore, you're a man. Like very exacting kind of like both exacting and sweeping declarations of how she's extremely different and out of place. Mm -hmm. Whereas tattoos, that's a pretty huge one. I mean, like today in 2022, you cannot right? I mean, even 2023, when everybody's listening to this, (laughs) you cannot go into an onsen, which is like a Japanese like in a bathhouse type situation. Mm -hmm. Um, You cannot go into an onsen in Japan with everybody else, like the communal ones, if you have tattoos. Because Mm -hmm. in their culture, a lot of people, like especially older people who tend to be who, you know, people who manage these onsens and these um, these inns and stuff like that that have been in their family for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Like a lot of those older people the only people they see with tattoos are Yakuza. So they associate tattoos with like rapscallions and ruffians and criminals, right? They don't think that like, a, you know, an average, like a, like the mom of a seven-year-old boy that, you know, works an upstanding job. In their mind, she doesn't have tattoos, right? Like, mm-hmm. why would she need them? So in this time period, I feel like they should have a similar, if not worse reaction, you know, because at least now it's like in popular culture and movies and books and TV and stuff. 
but back then like he should have had a problem with the fact this guy had tattoos on him and like it also deepens my kind of my lack of understanding of how this show is going to kind of continue this narrative in future as well because if like part of part of what makes the relationship with Tom and Kevin work in the book is that Tom respects Kevin. Mm-hmm. He sees that Kevin knows how to read. He sees that Kevin is educated, right? Kevin is also a writer. So when he goes to Kevin and like tries to kind of understand his relationship with Dana and Kevin's like, well, she's my wife, right? Yeah. Like that's something that he doesn't, he doesn't question that he sleeps with his slave. He doesn't question that he, you know, that he owns her, right? Like there's no question asked because he respects his opinion. But I'm looking at this Kevin and I'm like, what is there for Tom Whelan to to respect? You kind of just look like a like a weakling you know or like you're to not me, brave. he looks like a douche i yeah really, he looks like a dirtbag yes and i i don't know i don't like him i don't like who no. they cast like we're not supposed to like kevin but i feel like in this one we're supposed to like kevin yes but like i, I completely hate, agree yeah i hate the casting for kevin like he it's just not it yeah like, I don't know how to describe him other than he looks like that, like, weird skater that hangs out at the skate park guy that, yeah. like, was supposed to be emo, and then he turned 30, but he's still trying to date 18-year-olds. Yep. That's the vibe I get from him. Yeah, I agree. And, like, even his attitude, like, the way that he's interacting with this world. And, again, this is part of their decision to make this a new relationship that he like doesn't take Dana seriously enough so that when he gets there, he, he immediately falls into place Mm -hmm. in the book. It's like, he hesitates at first to not call her his slave. He hesitates at first and balks when he uses, when, when someone uses the N word and like the book is set in the seventies. So you'd think that of all the people to not balk when someone uses the N word, it would be that guy that's from a time when people Mm -hmm. on TV are still saying the shit. Right. Um, (laughs) But like, for some reason he like, I don't know, like, the next scene where he finally goes downstairs and Tom like sits him down and they have a drink and everything. And he's trying to explain like what's going on, uh, you know, in his house and thanks him for helping Rufus and all that stuff. Right. And they have this kind of like man to man talk. Like he, he's, he, this character is set up to be a nice guy, right? Like all the scenes in California in 2020, 16 are supposed to be nice. Right. And the 2000, 2016 that broke my brain i really (laughs) focused in on that i'm like it's like did i hear it wrong or like what i'm so tired (laughs) sorry it's fine all of all of the scenes that we see in 2016 kevin is set up to be this person that is um an upstanding dude right he's a nice guy like with capital n capital g nice guy right Mm -hmm. and even if I were to buy that, I don't understand why he, like, doesn't even blink when Tom calls Dana the N-word. Like, he calls her a nigger, and, like, this man doesn't even, like, look away. Yeah. He doesn't turn red. He's not like, fuck. Like, and yeah. then he immediately agrees when Tom asks if Dana is his slave. In the yeah. book, there's at least a moment where where Kevin is like, I don't want to say that, right? That does not happen here. He, like, blinks. It spans to Dana, and then he's like, yep. And I'm like yeah uh um yeah (laughs) i'm like okay and like part of me is like 
this needs to be paid off, right? At that moment, like the note that I wrote was, is Kevin going to be allowed to be a nice guy hero in this or what? Are we going to stick to the real story? What are we doing? Because like, I don't, I really just dislike that they're letting this person get off scot-free. Like part of why this story is important is because it not only talks about how Dana feels in her interracial relationship and the realities of that, right? In -hmm. the face of this problem that she's in, but it also talks about how easy it is for white men to be plied and and pulled and 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 molded mm-hmm. into this like shitty person, right? Whether it's whether it's Rufus or Kevin, right? That comes from a time where he should know better. Like mm-hmm. it's very easy for them to backslide. And I think if you're going to tell that story, especially butted up against 2016, it's really important because I think in 2016, a lot of people under the age of 45 found themselves talking to a dad and a mom that told them you know, hey, it's important that you, you know, treat others as you want to be treated. And it's important that you're nice to everybody and that you, you know, are are showing people love and kindness with the white man is 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 being shit on in this world. And we need to defend ourselves, which is like the theme of 2016, right? Is like this. It was when we saw this kind of reckoning with a racial divide happening Mm -hmm. in our country. So the idea that they're not going to address that, even though they they specifically set this in 2016, I'm just like, Stop showing me one side of the story. Like, I don't know if this is designed to make white viewers comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. So that they ease into Kevin and then realize, uh-oh, he's yeah. slipping a little bit, like, to make them examine their own behavior. Right now, it kind of doesn't feel like they're ever going to come back around to it. It just feels like he's bewildered. Yeah. I'm I'm holding out hope that they do something. But as of this moment, what we've gotten so far, I'm not impressed. And I'm nervous. Yeah. And then at the end of that conversation, he kind of stands up awkwardly and is like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom and excuses himself because he's obviously freaked out. Right. Like they show after the conversation's over, that's when they choose to show that he's freaked out. Not when like he says, hey, that N word is your slave. And he's like, yep. Right. That's not when he gets freaked out. It's after the conversation's over. He has to like beat a hasty retreat. Right. So I feel like his bewildered, like Kevin's bewilderment. Mm hmm is something they're trying to use to like break up the seriousness of the show, like levity. Yeah. And like, I think I mentioned that in the last episode too. Like I keep getting this feeling like they're trying to inject humor of his like, Oh my God, what is this? Right. Like his, his agonizing. It's really annoying because like pick one, either you're freaked out all the time and you're like, I want to go home right now. This sucks. This is awful. Like even as terrible as Kevin is in the book, that's his headspace. He's like, can we turn around and go home now? Dana, like, this is it. We got to go. You're not safe here. I don't think I can protect you. Like he doesn't even worry really for his safety. Like this Kevin is worried for both of their safeties, but Mm -hmm. book Kevin is like, I can't protect you here. Like there's only so much I'm going to be able to do in someone else's house. Right. Like, I I just, I don't know. It's leaving so much to be desired. This show. Yes, that is for sure. Um, I made a note about how I really liked the color work for the different time periods. And mm-hmm. immediately after I made that note, I realized um, that they don't do that for Kevin. No. So it's when Dana's point of view, when she's in the past, it gets all dark and gray and scary, mm-hmm. you know? And then like the modern day is bright and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at the scenes with Kevin in it and when it's just Kevin... Mm-hmm. everything's bright so and bright and beautiful yep there's windows everywhere light coming in yeah yeah i also noticed that and i feel as though like again like 
I don't know if that's just because I know there's like five different directors that work on the show. Like I mm-hmm. looked it up because I was wondering how many black people were involved with this because there's a lot of shows and movies I've seen about black people that are not by black people. And mm-hmm. it shows. So I was like, this show is really walking a fine line. Let me make sure before I pass harsh judgment uh, that I know what I'm talking about. And there are five different directors, which like sometimes that doesn't matter. Right. The Mandalorian, that show, you know, has great seasons and it's got okay seasons and it's got confusing seasons. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like the quality of the episodes and the way that they are directed feels uniform, even though there's not just one person at the helm this doesn't feel uniform at all. Like those color choices made in the first episode don't feel like they carry over to the second unless they're trying to tell us something like he fits in here more than he should. But I don't think that they're going to make him the bad guy, which is what throws me for a loop. Yeah. I also think the acting continues to be a little bit of a challenge. Um, I respect that they went with unknown actors or less known actors for Kevin and Dana. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, her aunt and uncle are people I've seen in things here and there before, like smaller parts. They're not really big names. Um, obviously Margaret Whalen, we talked about last time is from glow. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Tom Whalen is from true blood. So people do know those two actors. Um, but I just feel like there's a lot of overacting too. Like when we like kind of fast forward to Kevin going up with Tom to check on Rufus, and margaret's like by the bed wailing and freaking out right and losing her mind like in the book like margaret to me sounds like um like if i were to cast margaret (laughs) i would cast Kristen chenoweth who plays glinda in wicked um and she plays easter in uh, american gods she's okay yes she's you know what i'm talking about she's very like high drama like mm-hmm. she's very like she would she could scream and then in the next moment be totally fine right yeah like someone who's able to kind of like go through those like if if you were to try to inject levity into anything that's who i would have picked is margaret mm-hmm. whalen um because margaret whalen herself is a victim and it's not funny to laugh at margaret whalen because you know she's a victim but at the same time her dramatics are a lot i just feel like the way they're portrayed in the show is cartoonish almost like yeah i don't remember him hitting her in the book either tom hitting margaret in the face like he does in front of the doctor and in front of rufus and everybody like they're all in the room together and he like smacks her in the face and knocks her prone to the floor and they have to drag her out kicking and screaming and it definitely wasn't to that extreme but i feel like i remember him hitting her at some point but it might have been something like behind closed doors right like I, i don't remember it being so open um again that's something small but so i'm not like i won't hold that against the show or anything but like the way they portrayed it just felt gratuitous Mm -hmm. especially her reaction because like margaret whalen is definitely a drama queen hands down right absolutely she's a bored housewife right Mm -hmm. she has nothing else better to do she can't read like there's no way for her to busy herself in her life yeah um but I don't agree with the like they make her look like she's almost mentally ill in this show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like she has like a psychological issue rather than she's someone who's trying to find a life where none exists for her, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are two different issues. Like one is, oh, I have to take medication because my brain works in a certain way that causes me to have tics and freakouts and problems that I don't, you know, I don't enjoy and I need to fix it because I have actual mental health problems. And one is I'm a victim of circumstance. Yeah. Right. And I'm acting out because the only thing that I can assert control over is my son, not even myself. Yeah. Like those are two completely separate issues. So for them to kind of make her seem 
and I don't like using this term for for this. When I say crazy, I usually mean like that was wild, not crazy like a person because I feel like that's harmful. But that's how they kind of portray her. Like she like she is a crazy person rather than yeah. somebody who is just being shit on by society and has had very little say over what their life is now. They portray her like a narcissist portrays their ex-girlfriend. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I don't know and the I, word for that, but... I get it too because they're trying to kind of set up how how rude Rufus is to her and mm-hmm. you know in a coming scene, right? But regardless of having that kind of freak out that she has in the bedroom and regardless of Tom hitting her in the face, he still doesn't treat her nicely. He still doesn't listen to her. He still doesn't care about what she wants. He still talks at length about his ex-wife who died, right? And how much he loved her, right? Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of reasons for her to be a neurotic mess, right? Yeah. There's like plenty of reasons without that scene. Mm-hmm. And like so far that plus the rape, the, the, the rape, att- the attempted rape or, or rape scene, because I'm not really sure if it, if it was attempted or not, like it's never really clear. They make it seem like that man does succeed for a minute with the way that they like did their sound design and stuff. Yeah. Um, So like with both of those things, it just feels like they're trying to go for shock value again. Like that thing that we were talking about, you know, about how like they're trying to make this, 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 this situation that's already scary, scarier somehow. Like they're trying to make it into like a horror movie, but they don't need to do anything. It's already horrific. Like Mm -hmm. just being there is horrific. So I feel like we're going to have a kindred comic book situation on our hands again. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, I honestly think that this isn't even as bad as the kindred comic book. That one at least felt like they were trying to cut corners because they, you know, only had so many panels they could illustrate. This one is a show. They have no excuse for me. Like, I can't even find an excuse for them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then, so, you know, we get this whole scene with you know rufus and the doctor um there's the no washing of the hands thing which they they okay it astounds me the things they take time to highlight like they highlighted this no taking no washing hands thing for way longer than i feel like was necessary yep but then like they don't highlight you know the gravity of the situation well, I think that they're trying to highlight the gravity of the situation in the doctor's reaction to Dana because he's so sharp. Like mm-hmm. Tom Whalen has also kind of has kind of uh, taken offense mm-hmm. to the way that Dana is is speaking to him, but but hasn't quite come out and said it. This doctor has the authority to be like, can you quiet your sleeve? Yeah. And like the thing that I really hate about this scene. So number one, I hate that this is set during Christmas. I do not remember it being Christmas in the book. I don't know why it is Christmas now, other than they knew it would release in December, which like, are you trying to make this a holiday thing? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really creepy know. and weird. I don't think they talked about any holidays in the book. No, like it's really bizarre that they would like make this around Christmas time. And it is yeah. around Christmas time in our day and age. Like, it's just weird. Um, But like, the thing that really like just like left me ice cold <laughs> again, right? We're in this scene. This man is asserting his white dominance mm-hmm. over her, right? Reminding her that she has a place and it's beneath him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just being very kind of uh, just shitty, just judgmental, just very, I don't know, like just not being... 
there's a lack of propriety that this man has. He just like immediately goes in and fucking has direct words with Dana and then like talks to Kevin and is like, she won't even lower her eyes, right? Like talking about how she's staring him in the eye. Mm-hmm. So all of this is happening and this man is saying this to Kevin and Tom is talking to Kevin and everybody is talking, even though Dana's right there, they're all talking to each other because only white men have a say, right? And so the, 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 the doctor's like, well, I need my fee, right? We get down to, I need my fee. How, how do I get my fee? What do you mean you don't have the money? What do you mean you don't have the funds? So that's like the moment that we realize that Tom is not as rich as he says he is, right? Mm-hmm. But then he's right there in front of Kevin, says, I have a slave. Excuse me, I have a servant, he says. I have a servant that has a problem with their, with their feet. And I think it would interest you and your practice. Why don't I go ahead and give, give her to you so that you can get your work done and we'll call it even. So literally stands kevin stands there hears and sees and processes human beings as currency and doesn't freak out doesn't have a moment where he's like i'm really uncomfortable doesn't like lose his mind at all yeah doesn't have a piece of him destroyed doesn't object like nothing just stands there And granted, is there anything else that he can kind of do? No, but they could show a look on his face. They could show him walking away like, fuck, right? They can show the gravity of the situation in another Mm -hmm. way, and they choose not to. And then, like, back around to the servants thing. In this show, they say servants so often. I know. And I'm like, why are you calling people servants? They're not your fucking servants. Servants are paid, and they're almost always white at this time. Yeah. Okay? They are not servants. A servant is a job being a servant, Mm -hmm. right? Even if you're an indentured servant, that's not much better than slavery. You're still not a slave. You're a servant, which is not a a slave. Those are two completely different things. And the fact that they keep conflating the two is fucking me up. Because you know somebody out there is listening to this and going, they were servants. It's not a big deal, right? Yes. No, they weren't servants. They were slaves. There was no choice It really gives me, you know, when white people write a period piece energy like that's what i'm getting here and that's not what i need like no we're supposed to have this hard conversation it's supposed to be gut-wrenching it's supposed to be horribly racist that those are the things that are supposed to happen to teach and to give a lesson to people who otherwise otherwise would not receive it 100 percent. and like the fact that there's like a very kind of slow pull of of this thread mm-hmm. like i get that there's eight to ten episodes that we've got of this right like i yeah. understand there's more to come we have more to get through but in my head i'm just like you have to establish pretty soon into this what's going on and the only thing that i can think as an excuse is that they're afraid that there are a lot of white people right now who watch black media and they watch native american media like res like reservoir like reservation dogs they mm-hmm. watch you know, uh, Latin media, right? They watch the media of other ethnic groups and other marginalized groups so that they can better understand them, right? And embrace them. Yeah. They can educate themselves, which I think is lovely, right? I, I love that. Like, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. However, I also think that there are a lot of people out there who want to be better than they are, right? Like, I had someone, I, so, I was talking to someone that was like, Candace, you know, I really want to know more about, you know, black culture, and I want to understand, and I want to, you know, understand, you know, everything that's happened in our country's history, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, well, a good place for you to start is fiction, because even though it's fiction, 
the setting and what happened tends to be real, especially if it's by a black author. And I suggested Kindred, of course, because mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite novels. And you and I were doing a podcast about it. So I tell this person, <laughs> a white man, cis white man, I tell him, listen, why don't you go ahead and take a shortcut and read uh, and, and not read Kindred? Because he was like, oh, I'm not good, at, not good, really good with reading. I was like, OK, well, the audiobook is great. And in addition to the audiobook being great, you can also go ahead and, you know, uh, listen to this this podcast that I'm doing with my friend Rachel and Barely Bookish because it's going to give you an analysis, right? It's going to give you my analysis of the book as a black, queer, feminist, you know, non-binary woman. And -hmm. it's going to give you Rachel's analysis, right, as um, a Gen Z person, as a woman, as a white person, and Mm -hmm. as somebody who loves, right, and lives with black people. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're going to have a lot of different perspectives, right? And see both where we, I mean, we didn't really disagree at any point, but where we kind of come from two different places yeah. and then come and then and then find that we believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or when Rachel's like, I'm not sure what to think of this. And I'm like, well, this is what I think. And yeah. then Rachel can parse out what, what she thinks of it, right? So I'm telling them all about this. And I'm like, oh, it's a really good. Listen, blah, blah, blah. I know I'm biased, but like Rachel's great. And like, you know, she's a phenomenal podcaster. He's like, yeah, I'm going to listen to it. Never, ever listened to it. He listened to the first episode and said, it was really hard to hear all of that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> That's yeah, well, it's hard to talk about and it's even harder to experience. Yes. He was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you have to deal with that all the time. And like, it sucks because like, you know, I know that like, you don't really have a choice right you have to just like live your life like that because like that's your life but like and i and i hate saying this but you know i don't and it really bummed me out and it like took me out of my day and i was like just really depressed all day and i like didn't know what to do with those feelings and it was just so hard for me so i just had to stop listening for a while but i'm gonna come back to it because you know it's important that i like keep checking in and i was like okay he goes is that okay or is that shitty and i was like um I don't know which what you want me to say. He's like, I want to know the truth, and I was like, okay. Well, the truth is, I don't, I can't take a break. Yeah, the truth is, this is my life, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year for the last X number of years I've been on this planet. Mm -hmm. The truth is, this up and rears its ugly head some days when I'm not expecting it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I experience racism when I think I am perfectly safe and everything's fine. Yeah. Some days I'm having a really amazing day until somebody says something that reminds me that I'm black because they feel like I need to be put in my place. Mm-hmm. Like I can't take a day off. I can't decide, oh, I'm going to push pause on this podcast, right? Because it's heart- it's hurtful or harmful to me. Yeah. Like my reality is I just have to deal with it. So if you want to be a good ally, you'll just deal with it because that's how it feels to be a person of color. Mm-hmm. And the best allies are people who strive to understand the life experiences, right? That not only their people that not only their marginalized friends and family go through right mm-hmm. and marginalized people in general but also through that lens how much they don't have to take on how much privilege they have in being able to say i had to push play on this podcast about racism because it made me feel bad right yeah. like that's a huge privilege to mm-hmm. push pause on racism like if 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 somebody is serious about about being a good ally if you're going to push pause, push pause. Just recognize that you pushed pause. Recognize, sit with it for a minute. Understand what it means that you can go, hey, this is a lot. I have to take a step back, right? And then examine situations where black people are running from cops. 
right? Yeah. Where people are like, well, they shouldn't have run and they shouldn't have done this. And they shouldn't have done that, right? Sometimes people aren't resisting and they still get killed anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So like, that's the reality. You can't just say, oh, they should have like been better. Like, no, it's not, it's not that simple. When mm-hmm. you are somebody who is dealing with this all the time and it's always in your face, it is much harder to react in a calm way when it happens to you because you're just like fucking enough already. I just want to live my life, right? Like it's hard not to get upset or angry. And when you can push pause on that stuff, you can act more calmly. So when white people are like, well, why do black people get so mad about racism? Why do Hispanic people get so crazy? They all get all jazzed about it. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, right, for you, it's not a big deal because you can choose to sidestep it. Mm-hmm. You can choose to turn it down. You can choose to go, oh man, this is this is fucking with my mental health, right? Like, yeah, that's a choice. That's a decision. That's a privilege that you get, you know, just like able-bodied privilege. I twisted my ankle and could not walk on it for a month and a half. Like I recognized how much I take for granted my privilege as an able-bodied person in that moment. Right. Like, dude, like I sprained mine. Yeah. I sprained mine and I, t- okay. One thing, like I thought, you know, most homes probably, okay. Again, very able, ableist of me to assume most homes decent, you know, not many changes would need to be made for a wheelchair user. I couldn't get into and out of my own shower because there was a small lip on it. Yep. And I had to crawl through a shower and use my parents' shower because it didn't have a tub. So I had to crawl because I couldn't hop over the small lip of the shower. And I was like, oh my God. Like I, that, you know, I don't want to be one of those people where I'm like, oh, you know, it has to happen to me for me. Like, I understand it's very difficult to mm-hmm. have a disability of any form. But, like, that was, like, so eye-opening for me yeah. as someone who's, like, never had to go through that. Absolutely. Because it's something you don't – it's not something that you actively think about because it's not part of your everyday existence. Mm-hmm. And even though you're aware of disabled people, like, you know, I will absolutely sign every, you know, and, and any and every effort that somebody makes, whether it's like, you know, grassroots signature based or, you know, mm-hmm. writing a strongly worded email or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that people have access the way that I have access, right? Yeah. Like, I, I – that's important to me. However, experiencing it and understanding it is like a whole other thing, right? Because mm-hmm. – there's there's multiple layers that the person's dealing with at that point so it was just shocking to me to have this situation where somebody is actively telling me in my face while i'm letting them know this is how you can be a better ally that like it's heavy and it's really depressing and i'm like that's literally my existence that's my whole life it's every single day for me it's all the time and Mm -hmm. you know without understanding that it's difficult to move on. And I feel like this show is blurring that line yeah. in a way that I do not like, right? Like you can't show people the the best sides mm-hmm. of the antebellum South, right? You can't show them the, well, it could be worse sides. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if what they're doing is trying to kind of just trickle the terrible yeah. stuff, right? So that white people don't get freaked out and stop watching it because they're like, oh, this is too much. And I, I need to push pause on this racism because it's bumming me out, guys, right? I don't yeah. know if like that's why there's a trickle or if this is going to continue to be, here's one white guy who did it right, y'all, right? Like, be like Kevin because like that will, I'm not going to lie to you, that might destroy me. Like, it might yeah, it'll piss me off. Possibly be the end of me. <laughs> like, I will just... You'll be like, Candace, it's time to record another podcast and you'll just hear a roaring fire on the other line. 
<laughs> of me just self-immolating just like <laughs> yeah Ugh. i do like the fact though that they kept in the part where rufus is shitty to his mom i was me very too. worried they were being real sweet with with rufus and i feel like there's a lot of like dana and rufus time that we don't get before the time when she's reading to him that i don't like like that yeah. th- them taking away the scene between dana and rufus in the burning room like I'm still salty about it. I am not over yeah. it yet. I'm trying to get over it because I recognize that it's dumb to be like upset. It's a TV show. Like I shouldn't be hanging on to it. But at the same time, it's so integral to who he is as a person and the depth of their relationship yeah. moving forward. Right? Like it. It absolutely shows a how she sees the softer, how he sees the softer side of Dana, mm-hmm. how she how she offers him the soft side of her of her of her heart mm-hmm. in that scene. Um, Granted, she's being very sweet to him in the scene, you know, where where she's stroking his hair and all that stuff. But like he drops the end bomb in that scene with Dana. And I'm like, that shouldn't have been the first time this happened. Like that should have happened the first time he actually saw her. Right. Um, They quickly kind of move into this trust based Mm -hmm. relationship, which is like this is the second relationship with a white man that this woman rushes through trusting. And I just don't think that's realistic at all. Like I don't just trust whatever cis straight white man that's walking by me at any given day. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I, I mean, I would imagine most white women don't just trust whatever random cis white man is no. near them <laughs> any given day. Um, so like, I don't, I don't like the way that it plays out, but I do enjoy that they like show how, because to me it, it's, it's less about Rufus being mean to his mom to show who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's more about showing how, margaret and on a larger scale right Mm -hmm. with 2016 on a larger scale white women in general right Mm -hmm. are trapped between this like rock and hard place not not rock and hard place because it's it's that's that's the wrong thing to say it's not like you know victimhood is like the only option right they could choose to work hard to rise above and some people just don't as seen by even the latest polls lots of white women in georgia voted against the candidates that made the most sense and would have done the most for them reproductive wise healthcare wise childcare wise right they completely mm-hmm. rejected what they needed for themselves and voted with white men instead yeah. right so i love the fact that they have this scene in here because margaret whalen is somebody who is shit on by literally every single white person in the entire book right all of the white people that are in that book are just like you are not important you do not matter nobody cares about you right from from her from her husband to the mm-hmm. doctor to her family who just sends they just cast her aside they just send her off to like live with Tom Whalen, right? They're just like, get out of here. We don't need you. Please go somewhere else. We don't, we don't want you, right? To, you know, the future when she gets sent away to like live with her, her, her aunt or whoever the fuck she goes to live with or her sister or whoever, right? Yeah. They just send her away again. Rufus just sends her off. So like, it's important to show how she is taken advantage of and how she is, how she is disregarded mm-hmm. almost as, as badly as the slaves. The only difference is that she has a roof over her head she has beautiful clothing she has you know other perks that make her that elevate her above the slaves but it explains why she feels the need to be so shitty to everyone who is black because it's a way to reclaim the energy and the power that Mm -hmm. she lacks in every other aspect and element of her life right and again that's definitely a huge reflection of what's happening now a lot of middle-aged and older white women feel put upon right they feel like 
you know, the, that, that women are always mistreated and we're always going to be mistreated. And that's the worst ill that society has to offer because there are also marginalized women that, of color, right? So we all share in this problem together, but that's not real. That's an illusion, right? Just like the 1970s of burning bras and stuff. That wasn't a unified feminist movement, right? White women in the 1970s were like, we want to work and we want to wear pants without you judging us. And we want to have autonomy. We want to mm -hmm. be able to have dates without people judging us, Right. Black women are over there like, we've been working for you for three centuries. Yeah. Right? Work is not a problem. We already work. Yeah. We already are allowed to wear pants because, you know, it's easier to see us as subhuman. And you don't care what we wear as long as we're wearing clothes, right? Yeah. We, we already have all of these things. What we're fighting for is to be understood, right? Mm -hmm. And protected and to not have violence leveled against us and to get a piece of that pedestal that all of you white women are on, right? Where you're like the damsels in distress that need to be protected at all costs. Black ladies don't have that, right? So yeah. having these scenes of this white woman continuing to support these white men in the face of, you could be nicer to these slaves that helped you save your son. Because mm -hmm. that's what happens, right? A slave in this, in, the, in this show, a slave is why her son is still alive. Dana, a black woman, is why her son is still alive. Instead of siding with the person who is actually currently helping you and making your life better you instead are still stuck on the approval of white men mm -hmm. so like i love that they keep that in there yeah i just feel like because of the acting it's not as deep uh, like as yeah nearly as hard book. hitting yes yes the other thing too is like i am wondering what's gonna happen with the relationship between um Margaret Whalen and um oh my god what's his name I just totally blanked Margaret and Kevin yes I don't know yeah, why I just she, forgot because she 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 tries to tempt him yeah well mm -hmm. I'm wondering that doesn't happen in the show yet the thing that like I think stresses me out the most about this whole situation is he doesn't have loyalty to Dana no he does not you know just if we're going Throw, we're throwing the book out at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, who's to say? Like, in the year he's like, because this this moment is going to set a precedent. How he reacts to Margaret Whalen will set a precedent for his year. That if they still do it, I guess, of him being stuck in the past or what? No, it's like ten years. It's not a year. It's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. But I don't think that they're going to do that. I think that he and Dana are going to go back and then he's going to get stuck the next time they go. Maybe. Like, I feel like they're going to drag it out because I read ahead on like just the descriptions on the bottoms of the um, like the little synopses or whatever for the for each episode. Because mm -hmm. I was like, is this going to be a full like miniseries or is this going to be like a season two type situation? Mm -hmm. And I think Rufus is still underage when we get to the last episode, according to the little blurbs. So I don't even know how they're going to like play any of that out part of me wonders if what they're doing that's why they make her less attractive than she is in the book to make it easier for him to say no um yeah. because in the book she's a great beauty in the book she's beautiful yeah. she's just an idiot right like she's just horrible and like that to me also doubles down like you're saying he doesn't have any any allegiance to dana whatsoever i can't get a straight cis white man to listen to a kindred podcast with me and you being delightful. Mm -hmm. But you're going to tell me that this white man in 2016, when the country is extremely hot with like racist commentary mm -hmm. and targeting young 
like youngish white men with propaganda everywhere, left and right. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me that like this man is just going to like stay loyal to this woman that he met two days ago that hasn't exactly been very nice to him. Yeah. No. In the face of like losing his life and having to stay in the 1800s for the rest of his life. I don't like that doesn't make any sense. Like, is he only loyal to her because she's his ticket back? Because that's not love. And I especially hate the fact that like, this basically means that if he does stay loyal to Dana, they're telling a love story mm-hmm. inside of this story about the atrocities of slavery. Yeah. And it's not between two slaves. It's between a white person and a black person yeah. in this story mm-hmm. about a time when black women were routinely raped by their masters to create more workers for whatever plantation they were on. And the levels of nightmarish violence that that is is like some next level shit especially as somebody who's in interracial relationships i do not like that they are telling a story of romance between a black woman and a white man in the face of systemic racism the very beginnings of systemic racism like what reason is he gonna have to come back for her when she leaves him behind when he travels all over the united states Mm -hmm. what reason does he have to come back to to maryland and and find her again what he if barely knows her what if he what if they make it so that he comes back and forth with her constantly and makes him like a white hero that's what that's I'm exactly worried. what I, that is exactly what i think is going to happen and it makes me sick to my stomach i'm gonna throw up yeah it, it's it's like it's like slavery doctor who that's what <sighs> it's, that's what the show is it's slavery doctor who and i i am livid like i can't even tell you <laughs> so how sad. angry and then like to further continue the antics of downplaying the seriousness of all this right and like american gods did something very similar there are two scenes in american gods where people are on boats there's one scene where people are uh on a slave ship and orlando jones plays anansi and he appears to the to the men on the ship to rally them to mutiny and to rebel against their captors Mm -hmm. and then there's a second scene also in season one where they have people immigrating to this country from Australia, Ireland, England, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they show uh, Essie's journey, I believe her name is, uh, to America. Mm-hmm. Or Effie? I can't remember. So the scene of immigration, right? Immigration that is something that someone is choosing for themselves to, to come to America. The quarters on the ship are tight people are coughing everywhere it looks very unpleasant the ship is roiling it's depicted as an extremely hard and arduous journey right which i'm sure it was being at sea is not easy now with the luxury liner people still get seasickness right Mm -hmm. but that was someone's choice when they depict slavery right when they depict the slaves on a ship there's like copious room for each of these slaves to have their own bench, right? They're sitting, there's plenty of room, they can walk around, Anansi can do his whole storytelling thing, and there's plenty of room for him to gesture to people and to use his hands and to do his whole Orlando Jones thing, right? Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you another time that I was as offended as I was by that moment. Like, the actual slave ships that slaves were on, they were packed in like sardines. Like, yes. you had to lay down the entire time people would throw up above you and like the hammocks above you and it would just get on you and you would just have to sit there. People would shit. They would piss. They would get ill. People would die. There'd be a corpse next to you. Rats eating the corpse that you'd have to listen to in the nighttime. Yeah. Right. Like it was a nightmare. It was hellish. It was disgusting. 
it was worse than the way we treat cattle, arguably, today, even though PETA goes fucking batshit for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it was not okay. So to subvert that and try to be like, oh, it wasn't that bad, gross, get the fuck out of here. So then I'm looking at this at this, at this this show. Mm-hmm. Dana goes upstairs to the attic. Yes, I, I was hoping you were going to lead right into this. Yes, Dana, like, she's in Kevin's room and Margaret's like, who are you talking to in here? Mm-hmm. And Kevin's like, oh, uh, my my servant Dana is uh, going to sleep in here with me. And Dana's like, um, yeah, I would I would like to sleep with my master. My master uh, says I should be in here with him. Mm-hmm. And Margaret's like, I'm sorry, but this is a Christian household and you will not be staying with him tonight. Don't worry. Her room is one step up from yours. And like the whole vibe makes it seem like she's going to be putting Dana into like a shithole. Right. Oh, don't worry. It's comfortable. Mm-hmm. She'll be comfortable. Right. Like. And there's like this very ominous feeling before they show Dana going upstairs to a completely empty attic where only one other slave is yes. laying there on a pallet on the floor. And she actually has like a pallet. It's not even like it's just some straw and a blanket. It's like an actual mattress that somebody has stitched. Mm-hmm. A thin one, sure, a bedroll. Yeah. But still, they give this person an actual bed and show Dana up there. And it's not crowded. And there's not too many people all there. Where are the rest of these slaves sleeping? Yeah. Where is everybody? Because in the book, Dana's like, I don't even want to be up here because I now have my go bag. Yeah. And I don't want anybody touching my shit. And she comes upstairs to find what? Everybody touching her shit. Why do you need this? What is this thing? How do you use this? What's going on here? Right? Because the slaves have never seen anybody like her before. Mm -hmm. And they've certainly never seen any of the things that she has in her bag before. They're like looking at everything, you know, parsing through everything. Every time she goes upstairs to check her stuff, it's clear someone has touched it because they are sharing everything. It is a place where nothing belongs to anybody because if you belong to someone, you can't own anything because you yourself are property, right? Like that's the point. Like that's what we should be talking about here. And instead it's just two people in an empty attic being able to stretch out and live their best lives. And that they have candles. Get out of here, Rachel. I was so mad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're yeah, like, Oh, yeah. like, cause literally they make it seem like, Oh, it's not that bad. Like at least they had a, like they may have not had a blanket, but like they're not on the floor. I'm like, um, what? No, I, I, this happens like maybe five minutes before the show ends. <laughs> and like the thing that was supposed to be like alarming is the fact that they seemed like they were locked into the attic. Like there was like a yes. audible lock click. That's not. So they don't get out at night, you know, so they don't escape. Yeah, but it's like, that is not the, supposed to be like the horror part of this. Like, no. I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Sure, fine. Like, sure, that's scary, but like, not that terrible. That's the least of their problems. Yeah. Especially considering what waits, what awaits runaway slaves the pain and the torment and the torture. Mm-hmm. And if you've read the book, you know, right? Mm-hmm. You know what happens. Yeah. When there are runaway efforts. So, like, this is right at the end of the at the end of the show. There's maybe five minutes left, and I again one one of the numerous times I had to pause and walk around. I had to walk it off, um, like an injury in a football game because I was just like somebody hit me, somebody hurt me, someone is 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 causing me violence. Mm-hmm. I'm taking psychic damage, and I don't appreciate it. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I will give this show, mm-hmm. which unfortunately I also have to take away a point for. <laughs> The one thing that I'll give this show is how they end that episode. Mm-hmm. Kevin puts his headphones on. He gets into bed alone. He looks up, thinks about Dana for a second. And you see him put a song, like put like a song on his, his iPhone, mm-hmm. um, pop his headphones in and lay back on the pillow to try and fall asleep. And they kind of do a slow pan out 
yeah um, to kind of like infer his loneliness and infer his trepidation of what's to come right is dana okay she's one floor above me but how is it different like what's going on with her right they infer all of those things he doesn't say any of those things which i think is stupid but also i'm kind of glad they don't do any more see and say because there's already too much of that in the show um i will give points for the song that they choose the song they choose is called tomorrow never knows which is a beatles song mm-hmm. right it's been covered many times for you know by tons of different bands it's been in other movies like it's in the craft for example uh by our lady peace doing the cover um so it's a very well-known song the lyrics are beautiful it's basically about like the kind of like passage of time and the fact that like anything could happen and um i think it was during when the beatles were like really into like their whole like kind of uh like um meditation and enlightenment phase when they were doing lots of like you know sitar music and stuff it's one of those kinds of vibes of songs um but instead of giving us the beatles version right which is the original they give us a cover mm-hmm. um and the cover is by junior parker who is an african-american musician and um he actually was born a slave he was born into slavery he died um i think he was born into slavery like a year before people were emancipated he was like three years old or something when people were finally emancipated so he wasn't like you know like an established slave where he had experienced slavery the way that like an adult would have experienced slavery. Mm -hmm. But he died, I think in like 1971 or something like that. Like he died, you know, really old. And, um, trying to figure out doing the math in my head. I was like, how old was this man making the music? Yeah. He was really old. Yeah. He was really, really old. Um, but basically he, um, so he was definitely obviously a descendant of slaves, right? Yeah. Um, and I think he died in like the sixties or the seventies, because this song came out in like the mid sixties, like the Beatles version. He made a ver- he made he covered it like within the time frame that the Beatles were still like around and doing stuff. Um so the fact that they have the cover by him symbolically, not just because of like the fact that he's a black man, but also because he also has a complicated relationship with slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, had his had kind of one foot in and one foot out a little bit. The fact that he was a descendant of slaves and the fact that he also um, was uh, someone who um, was into activism and things like that. Like he saw a lot of change. He went through the entire entire civil rights movement, right? Like he went through Jim Crow. He went through, you know, reconstruction. Like there was a lot of things that this man saw and then he still kind of sang the song that was important to him. So it's beautiful that they do that. I also hate that they give the, that they give Kevin that song because again, it's just one more version of look at this woke white dude. He's so smart that he doesn't listen to the original Beatles version. No, no. <laughs> No, he doesn't listen to one of the many covers by white rock bands. No, no. He listens to the super obscure version that you can barely find on an album anywhere by Junior Parker, right? Like what white dude has got it like that, right? Yeah. And granted, I'm not saying there's no white dudes who've got it like that. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are jazz aficionados out there that know every single thing Junior Parker's ever made, right? Yeah. For sure. However. However. Like, why this white man? Yeah. Why? Like, how is giving him street cred with black people helping this situation at all? I'm dying to know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, interesting way to end the show. I'm going to give them that. And the fact they risked it. He risked it to, like, put his headphones. Like, I didn't even know what song it was because I was so, like, caught up on the fact that this dude has so much privilege that he doesn't care what happens to him or Dana for the fact that he's going to listen to music to go to sleep at night. 
And he's got this fucking weird technology. He knows someone can enter his room at any time because Margaret barely knocks when she opens his door. And he's going to, like, have headphones and a fucking iPhone on. Like, yeah. I would. the first thing that I would do if today I got off this call and I walked into my kitchen and was suddenly in, in the antebellum south, I would immediately try to find something, somewhere to put my fucking phone. Yeah. Because, like, they're going to think I'm a witch. Yes. Like, period. They're going to think I'm a witch. They don't even have aliens yet. <laughs> like, you would take it. And you would immediately hand it to your white significant other and say, yep. hide this and guard it with your life. Because yep. no, what? No. Like, no. Even I, the idea of like, what happens when the battery runs out? You're going to like waste your battery right now, laying in bed, listening to music. <laughs> like literally. there's a compass on your phone. There's a compass on your phone. Save it for the compass for when you need to run away. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Fucking all slaves had was the North Star and shit. Like, are you kidding me? literally like yeah i don't i don't understand rachel i just like it's it's i'm really hoping that i can get to a place where it just is funny how terrible it is yeah but something tells me i'm just gonna be mad for eight whole ass episodes i just keep hoping it's gonna get better you know same but i don't see i don't see how i don't don't, either i'm struggling like i'm struggling i will forgive it if they do like a slow and then like it hits hard and they're like oh we had to do it for viewership so that people can get the most impact out of the story i'll be like okay i get it yes fine like i'll forgive you but i i don't see it going that way i just see it getting worse same like i still don't know what the neighbors are doing it's killing me. It's killing me. Like, it is killing me. I'm like, why are the neighbors here? Why are they on my mind? Why am I yeah. thinking about them? What role are they going to play in the future? Do they go back in time too? Like, I just, I'm... she take the whole block Literally, Like, literally anything could happen. Yeah. And, like, it's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. I'm terrified. Yeah. 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 That's, that's all I've got. I've, those are all my notes. I threw my phone when i finished writing them i had to drink a whole glass of wine yeah yeah so when i watch this tonight i'll probably be drinking because oh my god yes same big same (sighs) trying trying yeah i don't even know oh also did you notice the part where kevin basically says he had a first wife that died to like bond with thomas because i wrote yes. that down i just forgot I did to notice it. that i did notice that and like tom is like oh yes mm. and like he doesn't talk about his wife but like we as book readers know that he too has a dead wife yeah but i'm looking at kevin and i'm like okay so then tom whalen finds this information out before your girlfriend yeah or is she cool. even your girlfriend like <laughs> I don't, i'm so confused oh my god i can't i can't i can't I cannot. Like, how is how is Dana supposed to know better when Rufus eventually goes, well, when you were away, this is what he did. There's the fucked up shit that Kevin did while you were away. And Dana in the book is like, he would never do that. I know my husband better than anybody. Yeah. How is this woman supposed to say he didn't do that stuff? Literally. And is Dana going to be mad that when he spends, you know, 10 years in the past that he, like, like fucks around? Like, because... <sighs> I wouldn't be like I went on one date with this guy from Tinder, you know? Yeah, I don't own him. Like, oh, that's probably it's probably bad phrasing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sorry, that's my bad. Oh my god, that's funny. I just, Rachel, I can't. Like, I, I just, 
I'm really trying. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really trying. That's all I can say for this is that I'm really trying. Yeah. That's all we can do. Yeah. That's all. Will I continue to watch it? Yeah, because I need to know. Yeah, same. Same. If it gets to a point where it starts trying to, like, make Kevin, like, the actual hero and, like, it starts becoming a little bit more about him than it becomes about Dana. Like, if that starts happening, like, I think we're going to have to have a serious conversation about whether or not I can continue to watch this. I'm yeah. sure you will probably need to have the same conversation with me. Yeah. Um, but Or if we do it, if we have it that way, what we're going to end up probably doing is uh, watching it and recording at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is an option and we can totally do it. And we can yeah. just have things go that way and just both pause and, or do it yes. via screener. And we can pause and talk about it. Yes. Which is totally an option if this gets like really out of hand. And yeah, I think we're going to need to examine some, some fail safes there because yeah. this is, this is, uh, I feel like saying it is a lot is like still somehow an understatement. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally down to do it that way if it makes you feel more comfortable. I don't care either way. I've done it that way. I don't mind doing it again. Um, I'll definitely be honest with you about how I'm feeling with it. Because, yeah. like, I really would like to have all my hair in my head when this when this show is done. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> the next two episodes will be the telltale point. Big agree. Yeah. Big agree. Especially reading the synopsis. I don't know how I feel about this next episode. I don't even know what's going to happen. I'll be honest with you. Episode three is going to be a lot. I have no further thoughts, opinions, or uh, the wherewithal to give you emotions about this. So I think this is all I have for today. How are you? Do you have anything yeah. you'd like to add about these two episodes? No. No, I think I have squeezed <laughs> my lemon for all the juice I contain. So <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> Big vibe. Mm. Mm. Well, listeners... Thank you for hanging out with us. Next week, we will be continuing on with episode three. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know. I'm just, at this point, praying. And I don't do that very often. Mm -hmm. That things get better. But we'll Same. see. We will see. Candace, where can the people of the internet find you and your very good stuff? You can find me at Candace the Magnificent on Instagram and Twitch and at uh, that Candace girl over on Twitter. Um, if you like TTRPGs, uh, like tabletop role playing games, uh, if you like improv, if you like queer drama, um, please check out uh, any of the stuff that I do. I also am a variety streamer on Twitch, so you can find me there doing ukulele concerts, uh, some video game uh, kind of streams, as well as Lego builds. Um, I am also trying to work on um, some other like little projects outside of that. So just follow me on social media if you want to keep up. Yeah, it's a great place to be. And yeah, thank you. You have a lot of good stuff. <laughs> I really try. <laughs> Your ukulele concerts are top tier. So thank you. If you need the joy <laughs> after, you know, this shit show and you want come on by yeah come get the ukulele <laughs> concerts they kept me company many nights where i was working so but we'll catch you all in the next episode bye bye